Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and mayhem is over, but only because it's now June, because really the sentiment of mayhem and just the craziness we've been seeing is still very real as we all turn our eyes to OKC for the Women's College World Series. So much to cover, so let's just jump in. Some quick reminders for the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Believe in Softball is also on YouTube, so subscribe there uh, to get the video. It's pretty cool. All right, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll cover our bases, give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world, as usual. Then we'll head into today's content, and I'm going to break down all things Women's College World Series and just key themes and stories that are going on right now for 2022. It's too much to say, so we're just going solo today to break everything down. And then there's the foul tip of the week, which are tips to help us keep going and get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And it kind of in some ways feels like our game just started in terms of college softball. I don't know how we got from the beginning of February all the way to now, the beginning of June, where we're at the World Series. But here we are, and recapping what was an incredible Super Regional weekend. We now have our eight World Series teams. And it's three from the Pac-12 with UCLA, Arizona, and Oregon State. Three from the Big 12, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas. One from the Big Ten with Northwestern and just one from the SEC in Florida. I feel like there's so many things that we could say, right, about all of these. I mean, the PAC and the Big 12 have both spoken, but I think there are some themes that really stood out to me throughout this process. You could go in a million different directions, but this is what I think hits at home. There was just a general theme of overcoming the odds. 
And a, a few examples. So Graham Hayes, who's long time was a ESPN uh, journalist and now works with D1 Softball, he shared a stat that only two of 128 Super Regionals coming into this year have ever been unseated matchups. Two ever. And there were two in 2022 alone. Arizona, Mississippi State, and Oregon State and Stanford. And in both of those cases, the two teams that won were coming from the lower seed, meaning Stanford beat the higher seed than Oregon State and Mississippi State beat the higher seed than Arizona. And that's why Stanford and Mississippi State hosted and the others didn't. But beating the odds double times over. And then there were also five unseeded teams in Supers in the beginning. That's what we talked about. But three of those unseeded teams are at the Women's College World Series, Arizona, Oregon State, and Texas. And I think we can all agree that one of the best Supers of all time, best in terms of competitiveness, grittiness, extra innings in the first two games, like you name it, it happened. Number nine, Northwestern, overcoming number eight, ASU. In the midst of everything, a lot of history was being made as well, which is always fun. And I heard a lot of for the first time ever's or for the first time since insert a long time ago, right? Where certain things were happening. Like for UCF and Mississippi State, it was our first Super Regionals, let alone hosting Super Regionals, right? It's a big deal. Northwestern, their first World Series since 2007. Seven, that's 15 years ago. Right. And they made it back. Oregon State, it's just their second Supers and World Series ever since 2006. So we're kind of in that like early 2000s before the teens period right now. And the first time that Stanford hosted postseason at all since regionals in 2011. And it's just a lot of this stuff was like a decade or over a decade ago or is the first time ever. And there are totally different paths that these teams took to get there, but they were all making history in their own way, which is super, super cool for those programs, institutions, for our game, just for everything. And then in terms of who will go down in history as individuals, the awards were also announced at the national level. There are 54 NFCA All-Americans, three teams, first team, second team, third team, over 30 institutions are represented, and every World Series team has at least one. So firstly, I just want to say congrats to everybody. It is not easy to get that kind of accolade especially with how the game just continues to grow and the talent just keeps getting better. So when you see people like Janae Jefferson and Gabby Plain, for example, getting their fourth, their fourth, four-time All-Americans, getting that fourth awards, it's a big deal. So a lot of kudos to them. I think when you take a look at just overall this list, five from Oklahoma and four from Arkansas just on the first team. There's like 18 people per team. So it's half of the first team essentially is just from two universities. And I do have to say, I have to say this, Elena Vodder was not listed as an All-American, and it's a travesty. She led the Pac-12 in wins with 25 against top 10 teams as well, like UCLA, ASU, Alabama, etc. 11 shutouts, perfect game, a sub 2.00 ERA in 227 and two-thirds innings pitched, fourth in strikeouts in the Pac-12. Like I can just keep going on and on. I don't know in what world she doesn't get that accolade. And I also saw that no one from UCF got All-American from the NFCA either. Head coach Cindy Ball Malone tweeted about how Jada Cody shouldn't have been left off, but also shared how she did make D1 softball's All-American list. And listen, I know it's hard with the talent pool that there is now. Everyone's going to have their gripes every year. 
I also think that, hey, these things should wait till after the World Series, in my opinion, since that's the most important time to be playing, for example. But I understand for marketing purposes and just it's a long season. Like, I get it. But I'm kind of thankful that we're in that position anyway. Like, hey, it's going so well. Can we complain about why more people weren't recognized or you know, it's just a good problem to have. But I will say I still stick to my gripe, which is that Elena Vodder is an All-American in my book and many people's books. But with that being said, almost everyone's book, I think, could have predicted this, that Jocelyn Allo is back-to-back player of the year. Not a surprise. And it's pretty crazy, too, because you think about she actually DPs a lot. So to get player of the year when you're not always playing defense means you're that good at offense, right? Like, that's what I have to think that that means. And we saw it's just indescribable, her hitting a home run, her last at bat at home uh, in Norman and all those things. It's just so poetic. I feel like her story has been awesome this year. So it makes sense. All comes to fruition. Jordy Ball getting freshman of the year. Also something that's not surprising. I think this Oklahoma team is just built different. They are a generational team. They really, truly are. So it's not surprising when you have two very important things. One, scoring runs. You have someone like Jocelyn Allo who can help you do that. And the other in the circle, Jordy Ball, helping you do that, that get these kind of accolades. And then you know what? Mia Davidson got catcher of the year. And I love it. I've said on here before that I loved her energy in the SEC tournament and just how she's led her team and the tearful press conference she had talking about how she really just wanted to make an impact and leave her program at Mississippi State better than she found it and that she... You know, she did that. And I just think that that's the kind of person that you want the young ones to look up to. So I'm very happy for her. And then the first ever Rawlings Gold Glove Awards for every single position were announced. And two of those winners are at the World Series. So Hannah Adams, the second baseman for Florida, and then Jordan Rudd was the catcher out of Northwestern. And I- I've said this before. I'm a defensive purist. Everybody knows it. I'm thrilled to see just this recognition and emphasis that is put on defense. Because, you know, they said that there are no offensive stats considered here. It's just pure defense, which I love because it is it is its own thing. And I think we could say multiple people could have had each award, right? Like you can make all kinds of arguments left and right. But I just love how it's trending with a bit of emphasis on this because it feels like it's respect for more of the whole game. Such an emphasis on hitting, in, especially in recent years. But to have this spotlight for defense, I think, is respect for our entire game, which is always good. But with all of this in the books now, the awards, Super Regionals, what have you, it is time for the Women's College World Series. So some themes that stand out to me. First, I got to say it, badass women, especially the leaders of these teams. The coaches are constantly getting asked in these press conferences and sort of media meetups what it is to play in OKC back then when they did and then what it is now. And I think the fact that they're even getting asked that question is a reflection of the women that are leading these programs and and what they've been capable of and their success. Five out of eight of the head coaches are women who played college softball that are now leading their teams. Two of them are alums leading their alma maters with Kelly I and Caitlin Lowe at UCLA and Arizona, respectively. But I also think it's interesting and noteworthy to point out that For these women, there is longstanding leadership or just deep ties for them at these institutions and these programs. Patty Gasso, it's her 28th year at Oklahoma. That's pretty crazy. And she, as a player, right, if we're talking about relatability and respect, as a player, you know, she's a Hall of Famer for Long Beach State, her alma mater. 
Kate Drohan in her 21st season. So two decades at Northwestern, all Big East at Providence when she played. Kelly I, 16th season as a head coach, but over 30 years at UCLA, obviously player, assistant coach, head coach. She's been there the entire time. We talked about that when she came on the show. It's like, she's a lifer. Three-time national champion as a player also. Laura Berg, been there a decade at Oregon State, the most decorated USA softball player ever. Not an exaggeration, ever. And a national champion with Fresno State back in 98. And then there's Caitlin Lowe, who, yes, it's her first year in terms of being the head coach, but she's been on staff at Arizona for 10 years, plus her playing days there, Olympic silver medalist, four-time All-American, national champion, right? It's like these ladies are incredible and relatable and respectable because of what they did as a player and how they've translated those skills to being a coach. Just because you're a good player doesn't mean you'll be a good coach, but they have shown a lot of loyalty, really, but just investment in these programs and their development. And if you look at the guys, too, the three guys out of the out of the eight, Tim Walton, it's his 17th season at Florida. He has been there a long time. That's a lot of investment. He also played baseball at Oklahoma. He was national champion, and he played with the Phillies in that organization, too. Okay. Then you look at Kenny Gajewski. It's his seventh season, but yes, they did just announce the contract extension through 2027. So he's looking to be there for a long time, over a decade, if just with those two things put together. And he too played baseball at Oklahoma, won that championship with Walton. They're longtime teammates, friends. He coached with them at Florida too. Again, deep ties. And then Mike White in his fourth season at Texas, but has coached for a long time in college softball, nine years at Oregon before that, played men's fast pitch, as he's famously known for, internationally for decades. And he was a pitcher himself. So he literally can simulate whatever pitcher they're going to face. He can simulate that in BP to his hitters and he can pick pitches really well, like just deep, deep ties. And these are the deep connections that I think help power the success of these programs and help get them here in the first place. The other thing is that I think is so interesting is I noticed a trend of kind of the freshmen and the seniors or like the underclassmen and the upperclassmen truly working together to power the success. And we talk about how the game doesn't know who's supposed to win. That's been thrown around a ton lately because of all the quote unquote upsets, but the game doesn't know your age either. Oregon State had 15 newcomers on their team this year. 15. That is a brand new team. Let's be honest. 12 freshmen. I don't know if I've ever heard of a class that big, ever. Even to start, like sometimes over the years, yeah, people filter out, they transfer or they quit or whatever. But even to start out, 12 is a lot. Seven underclassmen were starting in Super Regionals against Stanford, five of which were freshmen. One of them being in the circle, too, was Sarah Handigas, an unbelievable one-two punch, with then, yes, the super senior, Mariah Maison. And so you had that sort of like freshman-senior just balance in the circle, which is a leadership position. I think Handigas talked about how she's almost like at an advantage for being a little bit just out of the loop or not exactly knowing what it's like to be in these situations, it almost made her think or overthink less, right? She just kind of like played. She didn't worry about all those outside things. Mariah Maison, on the other hand, like had that, you know, experience and leadership. And then Frankie Hamoudi, also a junior, um, one of the best hitters on the team. She brought some leadership too. So to have that balance, I think was really, really key for them. Texas won game three in supers with the freshman Sophia Simpson, after senior Haley Dulcini carried the team in the circle to that point. And Mike White said in his interviews during the game, right, like, hey, she wants the ball. Haley wants the ball. But 
they didn't start her. And I appreciate that because I think she, you know, she was getting worked on by the trainers, et cetera. Thinking about her health, maybe not the best idea for her to start. And they give it to Simpson and look what she did. Florida won their last couple games in Supers as well, upsetting an amazing Arkansas team this year. Amazing team. Regular season and tournament champs for the SEC. Lexi Delbray and fifth-year Natalie Lugo in the circle split that time. So, again, freshman, fifth-year, you kind of have those bookends. And then, in, again, one of the greatest Supers that we have ever and probably will ever see, ASU with Northwestern. You know, Mac Morgan, the freshman, trying to get the start and, and make things happen in – Game three, whereas Northwestern's Danielle Williams, a senior, they went at it, right? And and it swung Northwestern's way, but it's just so cool to see that dynamic where it's like somebody who's at the end of their career in college, at least, versus someone who's just getting started. And I think there's also a theme within this theme, which is P1s kind of putting the team on their back this postseason. You know, you look at Danielle Williams, Haley Dulcini, and Hannah Bowen from Arizona just putting in innings. It's interesting because over the years, as hitting has gotten better, pitchers are more and more by committee. However, you'll notice that sometime when, when the chips are down, sometimes we go back to our aces and we just ride them the whole time. And it, not necessarily every single inning, but a heck of a lot of innings, right? And, and we're seeing that a little bit. That's how some of these teams got here. Now, the depth with having a nice P2, also helpful. But um, you're just seeing those aces kind of take the spotlight once more. And I'm generally a little more impressed with pitching this year. And I felt like the defense has overall been a little bit stronger as well. And and I think we need that in our game, but to win, you need that too. And last year I, I broke everything down to just ranking the different parts of the game today and hitting's truly first. It really is for obvious reasons, then pitching and then fielding in my opinion. And I think before maybe, 10 or so years ago, pitching might have been the first, depending on how you looked at it, right? And things have switched a little bit, but I do think that gap between hitting and fielding, I saw it close a little bit this year, which made me happy. Again, I love defense. And then when you look at, for example, another one with the freshman senior situation, Oklahoma, I mean, Jordy Ball, we said it already, who we are going to see pitch, by the way, Patty Gasso confirmed coming into the World Series she will pitch. Not sure how much and how that will be managed, but we're going to see her in the circle in the World Series. And then Jocelyn Allo, right? It's like that balance as well, going back to just their dynamic with a generational Sooner team. So taking all that into consideration, there's so many things you could break down about each team as well. But there are a few things that stuck out to me as maybe a little bit different or unique for each of them. So in addition to just the talent that Oklahoma has, I think there's a mindset that Patty Gasso has established there. She talked about how, you know, this might look easy on the outside when people see what we do, but it's not. They do not take anyone lightly. She talked about the challenge that Texas A&M was in regionals and that UCF was in supers. Now we look at it and we're like, wait, but didn't you run roll some of these teams and aren't you undefeated in postseason? Yes, but that's the end result. She continuously has said that all year that, you know, they are not thinking of it as like run ruling people or running them over. It is very much a like go in and compete mindset. I think that's the key to them ultimately. Yeah, maybe it is a run rule at the end of the day, but they're able to accomplish that because of that mindset. And then you look at Texas. Um, I thought it was a really cool story 
that Haley Dolcini shared um, on her ribbon that she was wearing in her hair. It says hashtag Ray strong. And Ray, she said, is a young girl back home who has cancer. And she used to play softball until the cancer kind of took over and didn't allow her to do that. And so she said, hey, it makes it a lot easier, actually, when you're playing for something bigger than yourself. So when you think about that, that's one story of of probably several, right, or, or many that a lot of these women feel in their personal lives or the connections they have on their own, that's what's feeling them, too. And I thought that was an awesome reminder. For Oklahoma State, you think about a different type of fuel with them. Like Chelsea Alexander shared her story of after her freshman year, they got knocked out at regionals. And she was actually working the event staff at the World Series. And she was helping teams like just unload their, their luggage and their, their bags and all of their equipment and things and helping them get set up the World Series. And she was like, you know, I really enjoyed like working in the atmosphere and all that stuff, but it sucked. Like I wanted to be there, not be helping other teams who were there, right? And so she said she texted Coach G and she was like, we're going to go to the World Series next year. And they did, which is awesome. And it was an eight-year drought at that point when they went. And so it's not like it was a casual thing she was throwing out there. Like this was a big step and leap for the program. But manifestation, you know, it's real. And then with Arizona, I liked Caitlin Lowe's description because something that they were doing as a team is they were kind of, they've been on the road. Listen, for regionals and supers, they have not been home. They went straight from Starkville to OKC. They've been doing puzzles together. And I'm not surprised to see Lauren Lappin kind of joining in on that, by the way. She's a Stanford alum and it's just something that nerds, we nerds do. So they've been doing that. And Caitlin Lowe kind of got deep with it. And she was like, you know, I was thinking about that and I saw that on Instagram. And I'm like, you know what? That's kind of like our team. It's almost like this metaphor where our team is a bunch of puzzle pieces and it's about trying to fit together and all of those things. And now they're, they're fitting together and finding the pieces in the right place at the right time. So it's coming together like a puzzle and also pretty cool because the Elishes are going to play each other from Oklahoma state with Miranda and Maddie. She was like, Hey, you know, I played against my sister at the women's college world series and you know, you can, you can just play loose. It's fun. I think the parents have a harder time <laughs> as well. And Miranda kind of said the same thing. She's like, yeah, yeah, my mom's going to be a wreck. But I think just a really cool thing and cool that that's happened more than once. And hopefully will continue to happen, right? Then you look at UCLA and something that they talked about. And this to me was more like, hey, remember that these are students too. These are people too, right? They're not just these athletes, even though they accomplish amazing things. They have finals. They're on the quarter system. And I remember that. I mean, I didn't get to make it to OKC to play in college, but I remember thinking like, hey, we're on the quarter system. Like, it'll be finals. I really have to plan ahead. She was like, yep, I kind of front loaded the quarter and trying to get my work done. But she has a final due day one that they're competing and they have a 9 a.m. game. It's due at noon. Perez has a 30 page paper due, you know, and so it's a lot. And they get study hall hours and they try to like bust it out as quickly as they can. But just remembering that they have other things in their lives as they're doing this too. And I loved Faremo's perspective. She was like, you know what? I do think that this is good preparation for the real world though, for us in the sense that, yeah, you're going to have to balance things. You know, you're going to have to prioritize, manage your time. That is a lesson of a student athlete. Oregon State too. I've heard Coach Berg say this multiple times now, but she just talks about focusing on the basics. It's all about just see the ball, hit the ball, run 60 feet, turn left, 
play catch. She's like, that's it. We don't need to overcomplicate it beyond that. And just focusing on that lets you play a little bit more free. And she has continuously made the remark as well that she's like, you know what? Mariah Maison should have been on Team Mexico for the Tokyo Olympics. And this is coming from someone who played in the Olympics, who's coached in the Olympics, works with Team USA too. She's like, that's how much respect I have for her. She's like, I also don't know how in the world she hasn't been drafted to a pro team either yet. So I think it's just worth noting that while some people may be discovering Maison for the first time, she's been around for a while. And um, this is just finally coming into place for her on the national stage. So keep an eye on that. Northwestern, to me, I think is a great representation of the Big Ten. You know, I feel like people sleep on the Big Ten. And actually, Coach Drohan talked about this a little bit, the talent in the Midwest and and in that area. Most Big Ten teams ever to make the NCAA tournament this year. The most teams ever. Also, again, one of the best supers we've ever seen with them and ASU. The Drohan sisters, the twins, you have them. You have legends like Wins Leader, Carol Hutchins. You have Ronda Ravel at Nebraska. Like, put some respect on Big Ten softball's name. I feel like we're sleeping on them too much, and they deserve the spotlight. I've seen a ton of alumni support on social media. I think they're going to have a solid purple section in OKC. Excited to see how that plays out. And then last but not least, Florida, the SEC representation. I mean, just exclamation point at the end of Super Regionals, run-ruling a team like Virginia Tech, you know, Unbelievable. Number three overall seed, Keely Richard, who is just like the power bun is how I view her. Um, Kelsey Stewart kind of said it in her tweet. She's an alum, Olympian, right? Death taxes Tim Walton in the postseason. Like those are the three things you can depend on in life. And that was the consensus among a lot of alums, actually. And it's just understanding, again, how to turn it up when it matters the most. And, you know, Patty Gasso kind of mentioned in the press conference, like, you know, well, yeah, people were surprised about Arizona, but you know what? They're still Arizona. Like, they still have that tradition and that culture there. The same goes for Florida. Florida's still Florida, you know? And here they are, and they they did it without a doubt to get there. So, so many things about all the teams. I, I cannot wait to see them all clash. But the final thoughts that I'll leave you with for now, so many, but just a couple things to think about, chew on a little bit. With the upsets... People are saying that it's not always the best team who wins, but the team who plays the best on that day. So basically, the better team can still lose, right? Okay, overall, I agree with that. It's about execution, totally. But how exactly are we defining the best? Is it, if you look in at pitchers, is it the one with the craziest movement and the most strikeouts on the season? But then what happens if that strikeout pitcher doesn't get get past regionals and another pitcher with way less strikeouts and a higher ERA pitches her team to a championship. Who do we define as better? You know, could we argue that the team or the player that plays the best when it matters? So like when the pressure's on in the postseason at championships, that that actually makes them the best because it's easy when it's easy and it's hard when it's hard. Right. And I'm still wrapping my brain around this concept, but I just want to challenge us to rethink the narrative a little bit. Cause I feel like we all kind of regurgitate this like, Oh, it's not just the best team. It's not always the best team. Let's think about that a little bit. It's like, well, what makes people the best? So think about that. And then I think what we're seeing in, in the eight teams that ended up in Oklahoma city 
it is a combination of parody and growth of the game, like everyone's talking about. But I also think there's a little bit of an element of the pendulum swinging back a little bit for some programs. So like you look at Northwestern, I mean, they used to be a contender as a program. They had an outstanding like five-year stretch from 05 to 09. And they're coming back now. The Pac-12, I feel like people are like, oh, the Pac's on the rise. That doesn't really feel right when it's the winningest conference, literally the conference of champions, right? Um, It's not really a rise, but I think it's an upswing sort of in the ebb and flow that is, you know, success. And maybe what it is is at the bottom of the pack is rising closer to the top. Maybe that's what the rise is. Because uh, only recently did I hear people saying like, oh, well, you know, people are saying the pack is it's a down year. And I'm like, you're paying attention. You know that 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 sounds crazy. You're just they're just beating up on each other. And it's just because the bottom tier has gotten so much more competitive with the top tier. So maybe, yeah, there's not one that's like high and away, just head and shoulders above everyone else. But isn't that kind of what we want? It's not that they dipped. It's that everyone else rose up to the challenge. And then I talked with Kenzie last week too. You know, we talked about, are these postseason results really upsets? If you think about it in that sense, seating is tough because on the one hand, you know, we're saying game doesn't know who's supposed to win. But on the other hand, like seating is kind of, in a way, implies at least who's going to win or who is expected to win. Obviously, the game has to play out. And like anything that's not, that doesn't meet expectations is considered an upset. But, you know, I, I think it's just, we have to keep that in mind because I think what we've learned, if anything, throughout this entire postseason is that anything can happen on any given day. So we've been talking a lot about these accomplishments and, trying to compete for the championship and all of these really big things and people getting to the world series. It's easy to talk about results. I think we all generally speaking society is just talking a little bit more about the journey to get there. And I think in some ways that's more important. It's more important to talk about the hard along the way. So with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about belief. It's inspired by all that's happening in postseason softball right now, but a specific example with Caitlin Lowe. In the postgame interview she did after Arizona punched their ticket to the Women's College World Series. Keep in mind, this is a team that went 0-8 to start Pac-12. They were tied for last in the conference at the end of conference standings. There's speculation they wouldn't make the tournament at all for the first time ever. And this is the first year after the legend that is Mike Candrea, not just at Arizona, not just in college, internationally, in every aspect of this game. They literally named the field after him. The first year after he leaves. Fast forward to now, they're going to the World Series for the 25th time. They're the only unseeded team to go undefeated on the road on the way to OKC. This is since Super Regional started, and that format was introduced in 2005. And Caitlin Lowe is the first since the 80s to do it in her first season as a head coach and the first woman in Women's College World Series history to do that. Okay, so then she talks about, right, like, you know, in a lot of ways this season tried to break us. It's tested us like we've never been tested before. I want to pause there for a second because it is so easy to romanticize something like this. But really, if you think about that, Being tested like you've never been tested before, that is huge. And so what I loved is her saying, 
It's not about what anybody else says. It's about what they believe. And this team believes with their whole heart. And that's it. We talked about it before, how you have to believe you can do something in order to actually do it. And nowadays, everyone calls it manifestation, but it's all the same thing. And it doesn't mean that it happens immediately. It's a long season for them before this happened and came together. There's not always a specific timeline, but belief is a prerequisite to achieve anything. So that's it. Believe. See what I did there? That's the vow tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com. And you can watch the videos on YouTube too. Subscribe, rate, and if you like it, write a review for the show. I appreciate your support. I want to know what you think. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. Again, B L E A V. And you can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.